Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus says a lot of frightening things in the Holy Gospel today. First, he tells his disciples that the temple they were just standing in and which engulfed them with its size would be destroyed. And not just a little, not one stone upon another would be left. Complete and utter destruction, a pile of rubble is all that would be left. Then he says there will be false prophets and false messiahs speaking false truths. And they will not be mocked or ignored. They will be popular and will lead many astray. But the trouble won't only be spiritual. There will be wars, nation against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And the trouble will not be just man-made. Creation, too, will convulse. There will be natural disasters, earthquakes, and famines. And then the trouble would get personal. There will also be persecution, because the truth will not be popular. And those who speak it will be put on trial for it and suffer for it. And if all that was not enough, Jesus says that even family members will turn against each other. All in all, not a pretty picture, nor an easy life. Trouble such as never has been, according to Daniel. Indeed. These are birth pains, Jesus says. The beginning of new life coming to be. The birthing of the new heavens and the new earth for the new you. The new you raised from sin and death to live a new eternal life. One where all these frightening things will be no more. For sin will be no more. There will be only new. Life without death. Love without heartbreak. Unity without division. Fulfillment, not disappointment. Nothing broken. Everything good again. As it was in the beginning. But not yet. This all must take place first, Jesus says. And it has been since 70 A.D. when what Jesus said about the temple happened. When one last straw broke Rome's back and they came in and leveled not just the temple, but the whole city of Jerusalem. And ever since these things have been taking place. That's why, as I said last week, Christians in every era have thought they were living in the end times. They were. And we are. Just in the not yet. But one day, the birth pains will end. And the baby will be born.
So what a perfect example that is, birth pains. For it was a baby that started all this. Oh, not the wars and disasters, division and persecution. That is all the result of sin. That has all been around since Cain decided to kill his brother Abel. But the birth of a baby, the birth of Jesus, was the beginning of the end. The beginning of the end of all the wars and disasters, division and persecution. And the beginning of the end of the temple, too. Because it would no longer be needed. For once Jesus came and offered himself as the all-time single sacrifice for the sin of the world, no more sacrifices were needed. In fact, no sacrifice could do anything any longer. For Jesus had atoned for all sin. There was nothing left to sacrifice for. And so the temple became like washboards, TV antennas, and payphones. A thing of the past. But with these words, Jesus was not trying to frighten his disciples or us, but give them hope, true hope. For remember why Jesus spoke these words. They were in response to the disciples marveling at the temple and how wonderful it is. But Jesus knows better. He knows nothing in this world is going to last forever. And so Jesus reminds the disciples of that. Of how the world is crumbling and coming apart at the seams. And if that's what you're counting on, if that's where your hope is in anything of this world. Then you're going to be disappointed at best. And fearful and hopeless at worst. As many today are. So what instead? Well the answer is embedded in the words Jesus spoke. But they are words that are often in fact misunderstood. For when in the midst of talking about all these troubles Jesus said. The gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Now, some have heard those words as meaning that we better step up our game and get better at proclaiming the gospel throughout all the world so that Jesus can come and end all this. He's waiting for us, so if you want Jesus to come, you better get out there. No. Jesus already knows when he's coming again. And that's not why we tell others about Jesus, to get this world over with and escape to heaven. No. As messed up as this world may be, the things of this world are still given to us by God to enjoy. Remember, he created them good. Rather, what Jesus means is this. The gospel of first importance must be proclaimed to all nations. 
Or in other words, when you see these things happening, the world crumbling and coming apart at the seams, the wars and disasters, the division and persecution, see these things as an opportunity to speak what really matters, to proclaim the hope that we have, the hope that others need too. That yes, this world is falling apart and is filled with disappointment and death and there is sadness and fear. But there is hope of a future for the one who endures to the end will be saved. Now that part of enduring to the end at first doesn't sound like good news to me for it sounds like it's putting the onus on you To endure to the end. But that's not the gospel. For we have doubts and fears too. And how often can we not even make it to the end of the day. Without stumbling and falling. The one who endures to the end. It's not me. Will it be me? It can't be me. Well relax. The one who endured to the end is Jesus. He is the one who was put on trial. He is the one who was rejected by his family and those in his hometown. He is the one betrayed and put to death on the cross. He is the one. But he endured it all and was faithful to the end for you. So that joined to him, in him, we will be saved too. His doing, not ours. And that's why we have hope. That's the gospel. If it depended on me or you, well, who knows, right? But because of what Jesus did for us, we heard from Hebrews that we can Draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, in confidence. We can draw near to God, to each other, to troubles, to persecutions, to the end of our life, to the end of all things, in confidence, without fear. For we know we're not alone. But have the one who has conquered every evil, forgiven every sin, and made us children of God. Your hearts have been sprinkled clean, and your bodies washed with pure water when you were baptized into Jesus. And so in him you are safe. In him you have a hope and a sure and certain future. In Jesus We can draw near to whatever comes our way. We can draw near with a true heart. A heart that truthfully confesses our sin to God and to one another. And a heart made true, made pure by the forgiveness of sin that we hear here. And that we hear from each other. Forgiveness that takes away fear and opens us to God and to one another. 
that restores what sin has divided and brings us together again. And so we can draw near to whatever comes upon us in this life with a true heart in full assurance of faith. In full assurance of all the promises of God made and fulfilled in Jesus. And especially his promise to be with us here with his body and blood. To feed and strengthen our weak and often wavering faith. That as we are in him and he in us, we will endure to the end. He will see to it. Here is all that we need. Here is the end already breaking into the here and now. As the same Jesus who will come in the end comes now for you. And so the words from Hebrews go on to say, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. For how much does a world with wars and disasters, division and persecution need your love and good works? And how much do those locked in fear and hopelessness need your love and words of encouragement? And need the hope and confidence that we have in Jesus as of first importance. And how much do we need it too? So let us not neglect meeting together, he says. To hear of this faithfulness. This victory. And to receive the gifts of God given here. And to encourage one another. And all the more, he says, as you see the day drawing near. All the more as the need grows greater and greater. For how many have just given up? How many have given up on things in this world and in their lives? Given up on peace? Given up on Politics, given up on friendships, given up on marriage, given up on things getting better, given up on themselves. Our world is a mess and shows no signs of getting better. Wars and disasters, division and persecution, as Jesus said, and they're just getting worse, right? Maybe. I don't think there ever was a golden age that didn't have these things in one form or another. But know that in the midst of just such a world in life, there is a ray of hope, a light in the darkness, that one day the birth pains will end and the baby will be born But this time the new life will be that new heavens and new earth for the new you. The you made new by Jesus. And as you die and rise with him by faith each day, dying to yourself, dying to sin each day, and rising in him in forgiveness each day, being made new each day, then you can wait for that last day, that new day, with confidence. For you've been practicing for it. 
And the Savior who saves you with His forgiveness now will be the Savior who saves you in the end. And so come war, disaster, division, persecution, whatever. Come sickness, disease, struggle, or death. Come trials, troubles, hatred, or fears in this bad news, crumbling world. You can face all these things with confidence. For the one who endured to the end will see you through it all, just as he went through it all. So as we especially remember at the end of another church year, the church prays, come, Lord Jesus. Come, yes, at the end, but come even more now. Wash us, forgive us, teach us, feed us, Make us ready. Make us new. That we be confident, not in ourselves or anything in this world, but in you. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.